1: If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the bet rivers network, whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to game bet match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa podcast on the bet rivers network. Hello everybody. And welcome to the Mike Francesa podcast as we'll uh, take a late February day and spend some time on some baseball A good way to spend it, because before you know it, baseball will be here right around the corner, as a matter of fact. And we'll chat with MLB insider uh, for the MLB Network, Mark Feinstein. Mark, welcome. How are you? I'm good, Mike. How are you? All right. A couple of things, Mark. Let's start when we talk about the Yankees and the Mets. And obviously, uh, there's great optimism this year. Um, I think it should be a little guarded, maybe, but we'll get to that in a minute. Clearly. The worst-case scenario has happened for other owners. They invite a guy into the club. They hope that he has some fiscal restraint. Clearly now, Cohen is not going to show a whole lot of fiscal restraint. He's on his way to just demolishing uh, any numbers that, that people were looking at. They don't want him to go absolutely berserk here. And he's going, he, I mean, he's going way, way over the luxury tax. His luxury tax that he'll have to pay this year will probably be over $100 million. If he goes and gets an Atani and adds a couple more stars, that number, his he could triple the next highest salary, uh, payroll in baseball. How do they feel about this practice right now?
0: Well, I'm sure there are some owners, specifically small market owners, that are a little alarmed by the idea that, that, Steve Cohen spending as much as he is and could potentially spend even more, but you know when they when they agreed to the CBA, they put they put the levels in place, uh, including that fourth luxury tax threshold, which people were you know sort of jokingly naming the Steve Cohen tax, and Cohen blew right by it and said, okay, that's fine, I'll pay the tax. So you know he's playing under the rules, so it's hard for anybody to really uh, criticize him for doing what he's doing. But I'm sure there are some. Uh, smaller market owners who are saying, well, how can we compete with the team who's spending four plus times as much money on their payroll than we are? Um, But, you know, we've seen a lot of high payroll teams not win the World Series. And if he doesn't, if the Mets don't win the World Series this year, uh, you wonder if that's going to impact his, you know, thinking in terms of, well, I spent all this money, we still didn't win. Or will it cause him to almost double down and say, okay, so I'll just spend another hundred million and we'll see if that works.
1: I think he will. I think he'll spend as much as he has to spend till he wins. And uh, I think if he doesn't win this year, I think he will explode it. I think he will really explode it because I think he'll lose patience. Uh, and then it'll be interesting to see, but even the Yankees have made comments. So it's even, it's comical because the Yankees who have been, let's be honest, for them very fiscally restrained in recent years, this year, it looks like they may be moving out a little bit and paying a little higher tax than they've paid in recent years. They've had some years where they didn't pay any. Um, and no year have they paid more than 10 in the last five years. So they have you know, not been crazy. They've been really restrained. They remain that way. And let's get to the just. I don't think either team really improved itself that much. I, I, I see flaws in both teams. I see... Question marks against the competition. I don't think right now, I don't look at either team and say, hey, they are an absolute lock to dominate their league. I don't see it from either team. I think they
0: both have a problem that they pl- each of them play in really tough divisions. So, you know, if you put either of them in their respective central divisions in either league, they'd be overwhelming favorites to win that division. The problem is the Mets have to contend with the Braves and the Phillies and the Yankees have to contend with the Blue Jays and the Rays um with a you know sort of an upstart Orioles team lurking you know waiting to to make its move it's uh, it's going to be tough i actually think the the new schedule this year where they don't play 19 against their division teams is going to benefit both of these teams it yeah, because- will
1: but you know they both have roadblocks though i mean Houston's an enormous roadblock for the Yankees uh that's really the roadblock uh you know the Yankees will make the playoffs so will the Mets uh, but last year I really f- uh felt especially with the mess that people thought they were just gonna run right through everything once the playoffs came and let's be honest the, you know the plan they had didn't work I mean the pitchers they they set it up so that their pitchers could unload they set them up and had it ready and they they let everybody down let's be honest they they didn't perform
0: yeah and this year they're gonna do the same thing where they're gonna set it up for Uh, You know, Scherzer and Verlander and and whether it's Senga or Quintana or whoever it may be is the number three to do the same thing. And if if those guys don't produce, if they don't perform the way that they're expected to, well, you're not going to win. But that's with every team. Right. We don't we don't ever see a team go into a postseason series with a big starting rotation lined up. Those pitchers don't respond. And all of a sudden you figure out a way anyway. Uh, the Yankees will be the same way. See, I think the Yankees did improve. You know, Verlander coming in for DeGrom, you want to call that a push or, you know, some people push it towards DeGrom. Some people push towards Verlander. To me, the Yankees hitting Rodon was a, a huge pickup. They needed that number two guy. Um, you know, they kept waiting for Severino to come back as that number two. Uh, he came back and pitched OK, but he wasn't he never hasn't found that that form that put him in the top three of the Cy Young a few years back. Uh, Nestor Cortez, really nice story, but he's not going to be your number two starter. So bringing in Rodon, who was a highly sought after, uh, you know, number one, number two type starter, I think that that's a huge thing the Yankees needed. Um, And, you know, obviously bringing back Judge was, it doesn't make them better, but it would have been catastrophic. If Cole
1: Cole does does his job. And and in big games, he has been, you know, less than brilliant also. And I'll tell you this, the difference – and this is the big gap. The difference between the Astros and the Yankees is the Astros have added premium talent to replace guys they lose. The Yankees haven't. I mean, they add Diaz. They add Tucker. They add Alvarez. They add great pitching. I mean, they add—they added guys who were stars. They, they developed stars. Let's be honest. Look at the Yankees. Other than judge, where are their stars? They don't have guys who have come in and just dominated the way they are. I mean, Altuve El- didn't even hit last year, and they still won.
0: Yeah, and, and it'll be interesting to see whether you know the loss of Verlander. They were they were pretty confident that they didn't need him back, and they didn't need to replace him. That they had enough internally. And you look at their rotation; it's really really good, but it's not as proven, uh, you know, up and down as it as it looked with Verlander there. Uh, they did add Jose Abreu, which I thought was a nice move for Houston. Look, it's very simple. If Cole doesn't perform, if the rotation doesn't perform uh, in a series against Houston, assuming that the two teams are destined to meet each other in the ALCS again, uh, then Houston's going to win again, right? I mean, the Yankees uh, need Cole to be the guy they gave three hundred plus million dollars to. If that doesn't happen, then the rest of this is just talk. Um, I think they, you know, they need to get the big performance out of their big guys. You know, you're right that that Houston has brought up guys like Jeremy Pena last year, uh, Tucker, you know, guys who came up. You uh, know, Jordan Alvarez has obviously turned into one of the most fearsome hitters in the league. The Yankees thought they had that with Glaber a few years ago, and he fizzled out for whatever reason. They're hoping that uh, one of these two kid shortstops turns out to be that next everyday player. That remains to be seen, whether it will happen or not. Um but I think that's the, the, the first hope they've had since Torres first came up, uh, you know, four or five years ago for an impact everyday guy from within their system.
1: We're talking about MLB Network Insider Mark Feinstein. Mark, the Yankees right now have, to me, more problems than they have solutions. They have a problem at third base. They have a problem finding a spot for LeMayu. The they have a problem at shortstop. They have to decide who's going to be there. They have a problem in left field. Now we've heard this talk of Judge maybe wanting to go to left field to open right field for Stanton at Yankee Stadium because it's an easy place to play. Makes some sense. But let me ask you, who are they opening up the DH for? Why would would you take Stanton and want to force him into the outfield when you don't have any reason to do it? There's no one that's pushing that has to be the DH. Let Stanton be the DH. It doesn't make any sense.
0: Well, I think you mentioned it before. Lemayu is is the man without. Well, the yeah, Lemayu
1: needs to be a second or a third for the Yankees. I think because he, I think he's the leadoff hitter. I don't think Bader is. I think I think he's the leadoff hitter, and I think when he's on, he's their best answer at the top, and he needs to play five or six out of seven games and they need to give him a spot, either a third or a second, and and let's see if they do.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't think that's going to happen right at the beginning of the season. I think Labor is, is locked in at second, and I think Donaldson's locked in at third. And I know a lot of people have a lot of issues with Donaldson. I've always been a fan. I think he's a tremendous third baseman defensively, and I know his bat looked bad last year. I just can't imagine that it's going to be as bad again. Uh, but, look, if it is, they have LeMahieu there to – uh, you know, maybe platoon them, maybe split time, maybe even let LeMahieu play the majority of the time eventually. But Donaldson's going to get a chance to, uh, you know, to to keep that position. I would have
1: traded Torres. I, I was a Torres guy. And let's be honest, Torres has been a good clutch hitter. He's been a good, he's been a solid player. He hasn't been, he hasn't been the player we thought he was going to be, but he has always been good when the game's on the line. He's been a very good clutch hitter uh, in a lot of spots. He's usually good in those situations. A lot of Yankees aren't. And he is. I love Rizzo. He's my favorite guy on the team. Uh, so I wanted him back. I think that was very important. But I don't like the makeup of the team. I haven't in so long. It's ridiculous. I don't think the lineup scares anybody. Other yeah, than Judge. I, and you know what? They'll pitch around Judge when they have to.
0: I was a proponent of them trading Glaber this offseason as well. Uh, the problem is, even though he had a bounce-back year compared to the previous two seasons he still wasn't even close to the player that he was in 2018 and 2019. uh, You know, when he made the all-star team a couple times. And so I think with two years of control left, the Yankees would probably have been thinking that they were selling not at his lowest point, but certainly selling low on him. Uh, You know, if there was a deal out there that, that Cashman had liked, I would imagine he would have considered it because he's never been afraid to make a move like that. Especially when you have these two young middle infielders that you know, theoretically, you're trying to find a spot for one or both of them, and you had Lemayhu to take over at second. Uh, you know, I thought trading trading Torres would have made a lot of sense. I'm still not ruling out the idea that he could be traded uh, sometime this summer uh, for the same reason. So, you know, if one of the kids takes uh, takes shortstop by storm uh, and and Lemayhu, you know, they're trying having trouble trying to find at bats for him, that could be the answer. And there are going to be teams that are interested if Glaber's having a good year. Uh, there will be teams interested and, and maybe they use them to fill a hole. But, uh, you know, Mike, we talk about this every single year. I don't look at the Yankees team on opening day and say, is this team good enough to win it all? Because the team that is actually going to be competing in the playoffs will look quite different because there are always deadline moves made. And if there's something they need, they'll go out and get it.
1: And I'll tell you this, uh, and I I don't want to pour cold water on this for Yankee fans, but, They fell in love with Beta because of his postseason last year. I don't think he's going to hit like that. I don't think he's that good a hitter. I really don't. I think he's a good fielder. I think he's a good athlete. I don't think he's that kind of offensive player. He just got hot in the postseason. I think people are dramatically overrating what he is.
0: Well, I think, yeah, if you're expecting him to hit the way he did in the postseason, that's – that's not going to happen. Well, so
1: you're here. hearing people talk about him like he's a star. He's, he's a nice player. He's not a star. No,
0: he's a nice player who has some decent on base skills. Not great, but decent enough. Uh, I agree with you. I don't think he's, I think LeMayhew is, is better suited to be a leadoff hitter for this team. Oh, much more, I think. I think LeMayhew is a key
1: guy. I really do. I think he is think a, a, love- a very
0: key guy people are going to love Bader in center field. I mean, there, listen,
1: he's a very good fielder. I'm not taking anything away from, uh, from, from his fielding at all. And he and judge together will be a dynamic outfield. I wouldn't even fool with Stanton. Because Stanton will be a nightmare in left field, Yankee Stadium, a nightmare. So, I mean, I, they can think they can get away. With, I mean, in, even in right field, I mean, Judge can handle left field, but Stanton will be a, he won't handle any outfield position on a regular basis, I think, well. And I don't know why you would be pushing that. Who is it you're trying to get in the lineup? I mean, that can't go in the outfield. It doesn't make any sense.
0: Lemayu is the only one. Well, but yeah, if they're,
1: if they're, and let's be honest. If, yeah, to the if you're going to open it up for Lemayu, then you really have unbalanced the team. If you have to open the DH spot for Lemayu, you've really messed the team up.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree. Right now you've got the five infielders with four spots, and if you want all five to get regular at-bats, that DH role is going to be important Um you know maybe Rizzo gets a DH day and let me you plays first maybe uh Donaldson gets a DH day and Rizzo, and and Yeah, I'm LeMay, okay with third. that.
1: And, and listen, I'm okay with him being in the outfield once in a while. I think if you get a steady diet of standing in the outfield, it'll pay a price. I, I don't I don't think there's any question. The other thing is, who do you think wins these jobs? Forget third base. I think they're going to give Donaldson a chance and we'll see how he does. I don't think he'll be as bad as people are. People just don't like him. I mean, let's be honest. He's not a likable guy. He hasn't been a likable guy, and he didn't perform, but who do you think the shortstop's going to be long-term? Now, not, not opening day, long-term. And who do you think the left field is going to be long-term?
0: Long-term, I'm going to go with Peraza at short. Um, I think Volpe will either ultimately move to second base or or maybe the Yankees trade one of them. Uh, if both of them are showing the the skills and the promise that the Yankees believe they have, maybe they end up trading one. But I could see Volpe moving to second base. Uh, and taking over for Torres, maybe next year, left field. I mean, I think the Hicks is going to get the chance. I really do. I, you know, I th- the last year was a complete disaster for him and he knows it and everybody knows it. Um, but I think the, the bar has been set so low for him after last season. I think they're going to give him a chance. And if he I don't shows- think he's
1: an everyday player, listen, I've never liked him as an everyday player. I always thought, I think Cashman thought he was getting a, uh, a, a, Lesser case Bernie Williams in Hicks, and he never was. He has always overrated Hicks. And now Hicks isn't even good defensively anymore. I mean, he used to be really good defensively, and he walked. The things Hicks did, you know this, but, I mean, the things Hicks did is he walked, he played center field well, and and once in a while he crushed one. That was Hicks for the Yankees. I mean, that's it. But the bottom line is he's become a terrible player the last couple of years.
0: Uh, Who's your alternative? I don't see Oswaldo Cabrera. That's what I'm saying. I think they
1: have holes. I really do. I think they have holes.
0: Well, I think this is why you're hearing talk about Stanton playing more outfield is that maximizes their lineup and, and erases one of those holes in the outfield. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Boone looks for smaller ballparks ballparks where left field might be a little bit easier and, and use a Stanton in those ballparks. And in the event that they want to do it at home, I, I actually think putting judge and left and Stanton in right makes a lot more sense.
1: Well, no, uh, it absolutely does. If you're going to play Stanton anywhere, playing him in left at Yankston makes no sense. You want to play him in right. I totally agree. You can't, you can't mess up too badly in right field. I mean, you can, you, you know, the ball's going to go out of the ballpark. I mean, so there's not much you can do there that. So I, I agree with that. Uh, but I just don't see force feeding him into the outfield um you know I, and I'm not I'm not advocating putting LeMayu in the outfield but I am pu- advocating putting LeMayu in the lineup I, I think it's important that he gets in the lineup I mean maybe
0: Florial gets a chance maybe Cabrera gets a chance they have some options but none of them are overwhelming you know let's be honest the Yankee
1: guys haven't been that good I mean the players that they that, and that's been the big difference with the Astros the Astros plug in these guys and they all turn into stars.
0: What about uh, this may be the hole that they look to fill in July, right? I mean, the, the problem is there aren't that many great free agents in waiting um, to go get. But, you know, maybe this is where Brian Cashman realizes that there's an issue here and ponies up for Brian Reynolds or, uh, or, or trades for, for somebody else, you know, in July. If, if, if the first half of the season, if left field proves to be the hole that a lot of people are projecting that it might be, um, you know, then that, that might be the area where Cashman has to go fill it up.
1: Before we go to the Mets, how do you feel about the back of the bullpen? The rotation's good. I'm not saying it's not. It could be very good. I admit that. Let's see how they do when the money's on the line. I mean, the Yankees are going to win with somewhere between 92 and 96 games. We know that. Um, they're going to the playoffs, but I don't think they're as good as Houston. Um, what about the back of the bullpen?
0: If Holmes is healthy, I think there's you no reason. Do you believe in Holmes
1: think- or did we see the best of Holmes in there and, the, and everybody's caught up to him? No, I believe in Holmes
0: as long as he's healthy. I think when, when everybody caught up to him, it was a combination of uh, fatigue and just health in general. You know, he pitched a lot in the first half. And I, I don't think you necessarily, you know, just sort of figure a guy out that quickly and all of a sudden. He's I got to admit, Bobby
1: Valentine out. predicted that was going to happen to Holmes. He said they're going to figure this pitch out.
0: Yeah, I, I I still believe he's uh, he's going to be an adequate closer. I think ago could be a closer as well uh, if if That's something true. goes wrong. So I, I like the bullpen as a whole. It doesn't have the big sexy memes uh, that it that it used to that we were used to. It seeing. Doesn't it doesn't have
1: the, the automatic art. closer anymore.
0: Correct. Well, but you know, see, Mike, we're all spoiled from watching twenty years of the most no automatic question. closer. No right? question. Right. So I mean, I, I think about the years after Rivera retired and they had some you know Chapman was good Soriano had a decent year with Dave Robertson was good they, they had good relievers back there but it was never automatic and it's no. never automatic anywhere
1: and Chapman and, was never great in the big game he never was
0: no no not at all and and so i think you know <laughs> the automatic closer is a concept that most teams have never experienced and yankee fans got really spoiled for two decades of experiencing the best automatic closer of all time so now we have well, there's, there's not a closer that you can really really you know, count on to get those last three. There's very few closers in the game that you can really count on to get those last three outs.
1: No, let's be honest. The Mets got the best closer in baseball. I mean, that's not even close. I mean, and he was brilliant last year and he shut me up because I thought after that first year here, he would never be great here. And he was, he, he was absolutely brilliant last year Uh, off the charts, brilliant. And let's see if he can duplicate that because guys usually don't, but let's see if he can. The Mets though, to me, as we jump to the Mets, they're a good team. They're not better than the Braves. They might not be better than the Phillies. They, on paper, they may, they're a little better than the Phillies, but they're not much better than them. And I'll tell you, they're still heavily reliant on Lindor and Alonso doing everything. And that's a lot because those guys had to do it when they didn't hit last year, the Mets didn't hit, and the Mets also in the postseason missed Marte and in the big games down the stretch and in the postseason, they missed Marte a ton. That was a huge loss for them. Uh, he was a big factor. And they're still short a big quality right-handed bat as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, again, I think this is one of those situations where <laughs> they thought they had that big extra right-handed bat with Correa. Yep. That obviously didn't happen. Um, but I, I think it's more than Lindor and Alonso. I think, you know, you look at McNeil. He's obviously a really good player. Nimmo, Marte's back. You know, there there are... There's more than just the two of them. I'll be interested to see what happens with Alvarez. Last year they and- didn't
1: win when Lindor and Alonso didn't hit. If they didn't hit, well, they didn't win.
0: I will say this, Mike. There are very few teams out there that if you take your two best hitters and they aren't hitting, that the rest of the lineup always picks up for them. It's just, you know, if you if you take the two best bats out of a lineup. That's going to hurt almost every team. The Mets are no, no different. Right, uh, except
1: when you have a payroll depths. like the Mets now, you're expecting to have a little more depth in that lineup than they have. I, I, that's my point. I don't think this lineup's as deep as it should be for what they're boasting now. And they haven't even paid everybody yet. So, I mean, so they have a lot of money they have spent. And let, they overpaid some guys, but that's so, so be it. That, you know, that's, that, that's fine. And But let's be honest. Vogelback was terrible uh Escobar they don't really even want to count on um they ha- have to get an upgraded catcher because the catching was just a joke i mean they got nothing from the catchers i thought then not signing real muto was the biggest mistake they made last year he would have been a huge factor for them if they had signed him um uh but and i think getting Mate healthy though is a big key if he can have the same kind of year cuz he was having a great year for them
0: yeah i agree on all of those points i think you know, to me, Alvarez has been one of the top prospects in the game. Uh, can he take over as an everyday catcher? I don't know the answer to that. I mean, his bat is certainly not in question in terms of the talent there. If he could actually catch every day, that would solve one of their big problems. You know, when you talk about the payroll and the expectations, it's it's a huge payroll, but it's also a very top-heavy payroll, it right? Is, yes. I mean, the the two starting pitchers are making eighty-six million dollars between them. Lindor's making 32, you know, Diaz is making over 20, Marte's is making over 20, Nimmos making almost 20. So you've got six guys there accounting for, you know, more than half of the payroll. Um yeah, you'd like to see a little more depth in that and lineup. Th-
1: and Nimmos better than I thought he was, but they overpaid him dramatically.
0: They did, although, you know, <laughs> Overpay is always a tricky word because there were other teams willing to pay him the same thing.
1: Right. And, and, and so, he's a nice so player. Listen, He's a nice overpay. player. <laughs> he is. He's a likable player, but he's not a great player.
0: Well, it sort of reminds me of the idea of Daniel Jones getting $40 million a year. That's an overpay, but that's what the market is well, right now. That's, so.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, you know, that's become the, when you see that guys like um, Tannehill are making 30 and Wentz is making 32 I'm gonna if I'm an agent, I'm gonna get Daniel Jones thirty-seven, thirty-eight million a year because that's the going rate now in that league. If you're in right, the top well, half of the league, you're gonna make over thirty-five million a quarterback. That's on your second same, contract, you're gonna make over thirty-five million. That's just the way the go that's just the going rate now.
0: Same situation in baseball. If you're a, a, a quality center fielder, leadoff hitter and put up the kind of on-base numbers and the numbers that Nimo puts up, eighteen, nineteen million dollars is about what the market's gonna call for you to make, whether people think it's too much or not. Um, so I, I think the Mets, I think the Mets also are this, you know, in a position where a lot of times you see contenders, uh, that have a hole or two, whatever they may be come to deadline and they say, well, they can't really add payroll. That's not going to be a problem here, right? right? No. If there, there are players available at the deadline, it doesn't matter what they make. The Mets are going to be willing to acquire them, uh, at the right price. So again, I look at the Mets and Yankees both, and I just think I I have hard time, breaking down every one of these teams and saying, well, they're not going to have enough to do this in the playoffs because I don't think these are going to be the rosters we see in the playoffs. Both Epler and Cashman will both be aggressive. They both have owners who allow them to be aggressive. Certainly the Mets more so than the Yankees at the moment. Um, And ultimately I, I just feel like if they need a big bat, they'll figure out a way, even if it means taking on another bad contract in the process to get the guy they want. Uh, you know, we've seen that before, right? Remember the Dodgers Red Sox trade with, uh, you know, with Adrian Gonzalez and all those guys, um, you know, if it means taking on some extra money of a contract. The team is looking to dump to get a guy that might not have otherwise been available. Uh, I think the Mets are in a position
1: to do that. No, I, I totally agree. They're in a position to do anything they want. And it's going to come down to the same thing for the Mets. Again, they're going to try to put everything in the hands of Verlander and Scherzer with the best reliever in baseball, backing them up. And, it's going to come down to them performing. And let's be honest, last year it was set up perfectly for them the last two weekends, and these guys just fell apart. And none of us expected to see them fall apart, but they fell apart, both of them.
0: I mean, the one thing I'll say is I think Verlander uh, is going to be a better bet to be strong and healthy and, and impactful come September and October than DeGrom has been. So uh, I think when DeGrom is healthy, he's the best pitcher in the game but the problem is he's never healthy. And, you know, the Mets were counting on him coming back last year and being that guy, and he was for the first month, and then whether it was fatigue, whether it was injury, whatever it was, he just didn't have it down the stretch, um, and and you saw what happened. So uh, I think Verlander obviously isn't going to pitch as long as DeGrom at this point, um, but for what the Mets need this year, I think they've got two of the most strong-willed and uh, and just sort of bulldog type aces you could have out there. And I'd be surprised if they don't, uh, you know, assuming that they stay healthy, which to this point they have, you know, Verlander, since he came back from Tommy John was, looked pretty strong. I think they'll be in good shape.
1: Which team do you think, uh, I I would guess you think the Mets have a better chance to get to the series than the Yankees only because of the presence of Houston, no one else in the national league is as big an obstacle as Houston will be for the Yankees. So that's logical. Is that how you see it? I actually don't because I think the Yankees
0: only have to worry about getting past Houston. I think the Mets, there are, there is not a team in the national league that may be as good as the Astros, but I think the Mets earlier on are going to face tougher challenges, whether that's from the Padres or the Dodgers or the Braves or the Phillies, whoever it may be. I think there are more contenders
1: in the National I League. I agree with that. I think, that, I think that's fair. So, I, I, so I think that's fair. But I think the biggest team, though, is still Houston until somebody proves otherwise. A
0: hundred percent. But the Yankees have to figure out how to beat them four times in seven games. The Mets have a few obstacles in their way to get to the World Series. That, that's the only reason I would say that. Um, but I think, you know, it's going to be a challenge for both of them. A
1: lot so, of people... Have been on Boone. A lot of people were on Buck last year in the postseason again. Uh, A lot of people didn't like the way he managed down the stretch. Um, What do you think about which one do you think has any lingering residue or a carryover from what happened last year? They obviously both won a lot of games. They've obviously both got resumes that are very impressive. Uh, they're both still looking for the championship. What What do you think about what happened for each of them last year?
0: I think from a fan base standpoint, Boone is always going to be the one under more fire from the fans. They don't like him. They think he's a puppet. Um, they just don't. It almost seems like they don't respect him as a manager. Do they you think, think
1: he's, he's a puppet? Being, I don't.
0: I don't. I mean, I, I've I've known Aaron for a long time. It's not his personality. It's just you know they wouldn't have hired somebody who wasn't, right? They weren't going to hire an old school manager and then try to change him. So when they were looking to replace Girardi, they were looking for somebody who was uh, sort of in lockstep with the front office in terms of how they approached uh, the game, the lineups, the the strategy, everything else. So I just think he's he's almost an extension of the front office, but not, I don't think it's a puppet. I don't think it's a puppet situation where they're, sending him down his lineups every night.
1: And the Mets hired the old school guy who always makes a, uh, you know, a very respectful nod to analytics. He always does. I mean, he's, you know, we, we both know Buck very well. You know, we obviously Buck acknowledges every part of the game. He's a forward thinker. He always has been, uh, but he's very much in charge. Oh, a hundred percent. And and that was
0: the kind of guy that the Mets wanted, right? Coming off of Rojas who, you know, is a great baseball guy, but didn't have the...
1: Did you think uh, he took a hit or any culpability for what happened last year?
0: Not really. I think when players don't perform, I have a hard time going after the manager. You know, I look at Buck with the the Orioles in that game where he left Zach Britton in the bullpen, and I say, okay, Buck made a mistake there, that, you know, this loss is partially on him. Um, I didn't have as much of an issue with Buck last year. I just thought... Uh, you know, if, if if his players performed a little better, he he wasn't going to cost them as badly as as everybody was worried about.
1: Hey, his his listen, the two guys that we wanted we wanted it set up to be in their hands, and they both failed miserably when the games were on the line. That's the bottom line. I mean, they didn't do their job. Uh, both of them, neither Degrom nor Scherzer, they didn't do their job.
0: Yeah, and and that's what it came down to. Right. I mean, you you put them in position to do what you had all year from the minute that they got Scherzer. It was, oh, my God, can you imagine what this is going to look like in a short series in October? Yep. And then we got to October. It was a short series. And the two of them uh, didn't get the job done. And I, I don't know how you blame anybody other than I'm not saying to blame them, because obviously the Mets wouldn't have been in position without what Scherzer did over the year. And Dubron. And, and but like, you know, that that loss falls on them. And and whether it's fair or not, that's that's how I look at it. Um, which I think, in the case of Scherzer, will give him plenty of motivation at age uh, forty or thirty-eight. or do no, know. He's thirty-eight. Probably forty. At and age thirty-eight, to go out there and, and be him, be his bulldog self.
1: I got to give Lindor credit. Last year, I'm not. I am not a Lindor fan. I, I, he, he sometimes he rubs me the wrong way. But I have to admit, he played every day last year. And he played great. I mean, he he was he played wonderfully. He really did. He had a tremendous year last year.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, sort of like you were talking about with
1: Diaz before,
0: when a guy has a, a difficult first year in New York, immediately you start with the, oh, he can't handle New York, he can't handle the pressure, he can't handle the media, he can't handle the fans, whatever it may be. Sometimes there is a, a bit of an adjustment uh, or whatever the situation may have been And a great player is still a great player and and shows that. And I think we've seen that with both of these guys that, um, you know, Lindor can clearly handle the pressure of New York. He's in a position to be, uh, you know, the leader of a team that has really, really, really big expectations. And I think he welcomes that. And I think having the kind of experience, even in a smaller market like Cleveland of getting to a world series early in his career, he, he's seen a lot, uh, you know, at his age. And I think he's ready to take that next step with the Mets. And, uh, you know, I I think this is truly one of those, uh, old sort of Yankee kind of years where it's, it's, if you don't win the world series, the season's a failure. That's the only expectation, uh, for the Mets this year. The only reasonable answer for this year is a championship. And if not, you're going to hear the old, uh, you know, everybody's going to sound like Derek Jeter in that clubhouse after the season.
1: All right. Everybody wants, or the Mets fans, Want the Mets to win, expect the Mets to win. The Yankee fans expect the Yankees to win, want the Yankees to win. Uh, the expectations. Playoffs is not enough for either team this year. That's what, That's where they are. Their payrolls right now are 1-2 in baseball. Um, makes it, who doesn't?
0: I'm going to say the Yankees finally figure out how to get past Houston. I think losing Verlander, as talented as rotation is, there's something about seeing verlander up there uh that that was a little intimidating for teams in the postseason uh the yankees added rodon who i think is going to be a huge factor it'll all to me it'll come down to cole can he go out there and set the tone in a series like that um so i'm going to say the yankees and of course this is you know seven months away so We'll see what these teams look like come October. Well, who,
1: like um, right now, who do you think, you know, everyone has, in your business has to pick World Series early? Who's your teams this year?
0: Right now, I would go Yankees-Padres. Yankees-Padres. Padres,
1: Yankees, Padres. Padres got a lot it, of it, talent. Boy, and they're the spending Padres money like hand over fist, too. You know, you got, they, yeah, they are true. spending I a lot of money, and they I have a, a, <laughs> a lot of talent. You know that? I mean, uh, yeah. there's no question about it. Yeah, I mean, I they're spending a, more I money than the Dodgers right now.
0: And I think there's a bit of a window there because there's a question about Machado, whether he'll be back next year. You know, he's already said he's going to opt out. There's been some uh, stuff going on with them sort of lowballing an extension offer to him already. The owner says he's our top priority, but who knows? So, uh, you know, you get Tatis back by the end of April. You've got a really good pitching staff. Um, You've got a, a solid bullpen and you've got stars. I mean, you've got a lineup with Machado, Soto, Tatis. This is a really good lineup. Um, and I just, I'm going to, I'm going to buy into the hype. Uh, I hate buying into the team that gets all hyped up before the season, but I've been a fan of what the Padres have been doing the last few years, adding Soto last year, uh, Machado has matured into a, a leader and an MVP candidate on that team. Um, you know, top three, two of the last three years. I, I just, I think the Dodgers didn't do enough this off season to necessarily hold them off. I know they won 110 games last year. So even if they drop by 10 games, they're going to win a hundred. But I think this could be uh, a battle between those two teams, sort of like we saw a couple of years ago with the Dodgers-Giants. and Giants. Um, But I'm I'm buying into the Padres.
1: And since this is what you do every day, uh, we're talking with Mark Feinstein, of course, MLB insider for the MLB Network. Um, where's Atani next year? And obviously the Mets are a major player. Uh, and do you think Trout is still – because everyone always asks me that. Do you think Trout stays with the Angels or he winds up – getting to go gets that reprieve and gets to come East and gets to go to the Phillies or something like that. Does he get to finally go to a team and, 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 you know, get into the Eastern part of the world and play some uh, meaningful games and stuff like that. Do you see, what do you see for the future of those two guys?
0: Uh, I think Trout stays in Anaheim. I, I don't think he's, I think he's comfortable there. I think obviously he'd like to win later in his career, uh, it gets to a point where he says okay i just want to go ring chasing and i want to do it with this team or that team but i don't think that's happening anytime soon otani the Mets will be a major player for him uh ultimately i think he goes to the dodgers i think one of the reasons that they didn't spend this offseason was the idea that they were uh Waiting sort for of him. Saving, up, saving up all their funds for next year uh because they know he's going to cost a pretty penny you're looking at probably a minimum of $50 million a year for a guy, assuming that he does the same thing this year in terms of his pitching and his hitting, right? If he just replicates last year, 160 innings of 2.3 ERA with 30 home runs, um, you know, the 30 home run guy would get paid 20 to $25 million. And the 2.3 ERA guy would get paid about 30. So um, I just, it's going to be at least 50 million. There's only, it's going to limit his market because there aren't going to be that many teams that can afford that. But I think the Mets, the Dodgers, uh, you know, the Angels will try to keep them, but I don't see it. Um, I think it comes down to the Mets and Dodgers, but I think the Dodgers are, uh, unless Steve Cohen decides, I'm not getting out for this guy, period. Um, or, uh, you know, who knows if he wants to come to the East Coast or not. But uh, those would be the factors, I think. But ultimately, right now, I'd say the Dodgers.
1: Uh, we're talking baseball with Mark Feinstein. Thank you, Mark. We'll check in again. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Anytime, Mike. All right. Uh, This is the Mike Francesa podcast. We will see you down the road. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan. And you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.